Welcome listeners to Law Talk. This is going to be a slightly different episode, so I'm just going to introduce the concept. We've done five episodes of the podcast so far, and uh, we wanted to have an opportunity to uh, hear from fans of the show, and maybe to answer any questions that they had, to find out what they liked about the show, and if there's anything that we can do to make it better. So this is a bit of a different episode. Um, it'll be a lot more talky. Uh, if you're in it just for the stories, then uh, you might want to skip this one. Before you do go, we'll we'll just go over what is happening with the rest of the series. There are five more episodes of Law and Legend coming up. We'll be finishing in October. Series two is coming out next year. Uh, but between now and then, uh, we have a guest episode from storyteller Tim Ralphs and our Halloween special in October. Uh, guest stories and interviews with Sarah Pearl and Simon Hayward in November. And then in December, we've got uh, an interview and story from Carmel Page uh, and our Christmas special episodes. And in the new year, we'll also have guest episodes from Sarah from storyteller Graham Langley uh, and hopefully also from Daisy Black and perhaps a few other people as well. Um, so plenty to look forward to and we will uh, continue to feed your uh, your hunger for stories uh, while we're producing the, the next series. Uh, series two will be called The Gates of Dream and is all about uh, the Greek gods and spirits of dream and a cast of well-known and not so well-known characters and heroes from the ancient Greek world. So uh, I, I hope that you're looking forward to that. I certainly am. We're also in the process of deciding uh, what we're going to be working on for the third series of Lore and Legend. And uh, we want to bring you, the listeners, in on that as well. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to present some ideas um, and then we will let you guys vote on which sounds the most appealing to you. So um, look out for that in December. So, yeah, we, uh, we've enjoyed producing this episode. Uh, I, th I think part of the nature of uh, law and folklore is you could talk for hours about some of the different subjects. And it's uh, sometimes a struggle uh, editing it all down, which... Uh, it's just another argument, really, for uh, checking out our supporters page on Facebook, where, uh, if we wish, you know, we can we can carry on the conversation uh, through the comments section, um, you know, expand on some of these details. Uh, maybe if you're uh, looking, if we've mentioned something, um, but you, you can't find that yourself and you'd like us to uh, post the links for you, then... Uh, yeah, go go to our Facebook page, join the supporters group, uh, and uh, and join the conversation. Uh, we'd we'd love to love to see you guys there. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's get on with the episode. Okay, well. Um, Welcome to our first ever episode of Law Talk, where we're going to be uh, sort of having a discussion about where the co where the podcast has gone so far and what people's reactions have been to it. Yeah. So uh, I've been quite looking forward to this. Excellent. Yep. Good. Let's uh, let's see what's come through. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've, um, I've been really happy with how 
everything's kind of like kicked off um I just get a little bit of an idea of how the podcast has been doing um so since launching we've had uh, 110 people um liking us on facebook 118 people following us very nice. had about 510 plays of the of the podcast yeah. um and there's a we've got a thing that um estimates our audience size and that kind of seems to go up and down a little bit but it's kind of like uh going up and down between 60 and 70 listeners so that seems like a pretty that's pretty satisfying you know if i've I can die happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to all of you guys for listening to the stuff that we've been doing. Um, it's been really fun to make. Um, and I've been really, it's been really cool to hear people saying how much they've enjoyed it. So, uh, yeah, I think reception's been pretty good. My all my all my family listened to it, which is um, a piece of loyalty that they owe me really for the years of servitude that I've lived in. No, sorry. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, my, my friends have been keen on it too. Um, I'll read out a few comments and things. First of all, thanks to our first uh, Patreon subscriber. Oh, yeah. is uh, Paul Jackson, Cheers, who Paul. I believe is associated with the Society for Storytelling, moderates a Facebook group. So that's really welcome. That'll uh, really help us out. And uh, our first subscriber on uh, YouTube was um, Istabrak. Istabrak teaches me uh, painting, which is one of the many things that I do <laughs> in my portfolio of uh, <laughs> work and artistic in- endeavours. So let's let's start there. Um, Istabrak left a comment on uh, our first episode, The Rhymes Tale. Uh, she said, I like the in- reintroduction of elfdom as carnivorous, dangerous, or antagonist. I hope we see more of that. I also love the discussion after, because it helps when I feel like I've missed a lot of the deeper context, instead of ignorantly floating in the foam of entertainment. Thank, <laughs> you. <laughs> Thank you for educating and entertaining us. Um, I definitely prefer this to more bare readings. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Yeah, um, I like the the balance between the discussion and the story because we we are law and legend. I like I like the process of researching and translating as well. Sometimes the kind of the folklore into a dramatic context. Mm. Yes, well, that's um, one of the things that came up in a. Uh, discussion uh, with people that I know is um, the balance between uh, story and discussion because I think and I can sort of understand in some ways when people if people are specifically looking for a story then they may feel like a large chunk of what they're listening to isn't exactly what they came for but there are two things with that the first thing is that it, it is good to, to establish the context it does it does allow you to feel like you've got sort of a, a sort of broader involvement with the story, um, but also it can be turned off at that point. <laughs> <laughs> if you know that all that's coming is discussion, <laughs> I've had several people say that they really enjoy having both. Uh, that does seem to be fairly popular. Um, and another comment that I've heard is that. Um, because we record the discussion as very free-flowing, sometimes perhaps 
um, we forget that we know more than the audience does. And mm. the so an, an example is that I think in uh, the Dark Tower episode, I kept referring to um, the lines uh, spoken in King Lear. Um, and it was only later in the discussion that I expanded on that a bit. Um, and, may, and even then possibly didn't give exactly where it was in the play and uh, the friend was saying uh, uh, that she was a little bit lost with that uh, a, a possible way to get around that is to sort of do a, um, something similar to what we do in our blog posts like a short prepared piece kind of yeah. covering those details delivering those and then going into the free form discussion I think that would be a nice way to kind of handle yeah. it one thing that I would say is that we recorded a lot of the discussions before I actually wrote the blog posts for the website and uh, inevitably I followed loads of links and discovered lots of extra stuff <laughs> which I really wish I'd been able to talk about um, yeah for, for those of you who haven't been to the website and read the blog so there are some uh, really interesting tidbits and information in there that I think you find really interesting as well. Uh, but obviously, we don't want you to miss out if you're just listening to the podcast. So, um, uh, yes, in future, maybe endeavour to do a bit more of that research and writing beforehand so that we're more prepared for the discussion segments. But they also do deal with slightly different things. You know, the, the blog posts give you a lot of the... Uh, the folklore background and the sources and things yeah. whereas in the discussion we like to talk as well about the story itself and why we did our version in that particular way while it's good to be able to talk about the sources i think our discussion would become quite formulaic if we every time asked each other where this came from yes and avoid also just reading wikipedia pages so uh, for anybody who was wondering uh, the lines uh, about child Roland in uh, King Lear are in act 3 scene 4 when Lear um, kind of uh, runs out onto the heath from his daughter Goneril's castle uh, in the middle of a storm uh, and he's sort of in the process of, of going crazy because his um, his livelihood and his identity as being as being the ruler or for, former ruler is being stripped away by uh, his ungrateful daughters. Uh, and he meets um, he meets uh, Edgar, who's a character who's actually been he's been accused of uh, conspiring to kill his father, and he disguises himself as a mad beggar called Tom of Bedlam. And amongst his many mad ramblings, uh, Edgar spouts the verses, Child Roland to the dark tower came, his word was still fie, foe and fum, I smell the blood of a British man. So that's how we know about the fact that there was a legend about Child Roland um, Mm -hmm. as far back as that time. We ran a Twitter poll um, on which, uh, which episodes people enjoyed the most. Um, and last time I checked, the Dark Tower was winning. Oh. Um, and we've got a comment here from uh, Ian Tovey. Uh, hi, Ian. <laughs> uh, he said, I enjoyed the Dark Tower as it gave a plausible explanation as to why Roland has to cut people's heads off. 
But he said, to be honest, I've enjoyed all the episodes. Having just started on the storytelling road, it's interesting to see somebody adding their own ideas to old stories with such confidence. Uh, keep up the good work and looking forward to future stories. No, cheers, Ian. Yeah. To be fair, I think uh, Ian's got a point. The Dark Tower is a very, very good episode. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I have to say that I really enjoy um, uh, King Orpheo. Mm. Uh, that's one of my favourites. Um, yeah, uh, the Dark Tower and, and cutting people's heads off. You know, there there are clues that he's entered Elfland because the horses have got sort of strange flesh and their eyes are glowing and all this kind of thing. But mm. um, it is again one of those things that just kind of happens and is unremarked on. The part in it where he he goes to the horse herd, the cow herd, and the henwife. Mm. In the Jacobs version, it's just the three and. Mm. But if you actually go back to the earlier version, the Jameson, he goes to the horse herd, the cow herd, the sheep herd, the goat herd, the swine herd, and then the head. <laughs> Make sure none of them are left alive. <laughs> and I thought it was just hilarious that he seems to have sort of devastated the rural economy, like <laughs> the surrounding area of wherever he's, um, you know, wherever he's adventuring. Or the other way of seeing it is he set all of those animals free. Possibly. It's hard not to see kind of like a class connotation as well. You know, mm. you've got this kind of aristocrat riding around on his horse, beheading the local rural population. I think it would be, it would be better in some ways if they weren't just all so polite and lovely to him. Yeah, uh, that's why that, it's so twisted. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> it's like, I mean, the obviously that maybe is kind of the point, you know, Elfland is trying to sucker you in. But he's like, how do I get where I'm going? You know, I need to defeat the lord of this land. And they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely, I'll help you. So I I did also try to slightly work in kind of something about that class connotation as once the brother's gone, there's kind of like a wildness grows into their land and that the the folk uh, become unruly. The wildness of fairyland is infiltrating into the country and, and so it's kind of like an aristocratic fear of of the people suggested or worked in there what you might call a natural antagonism i think i think <laughs> the um uh one of the things i like about the dark tower is the way that it uh it paints a very kind of compelling world i do very much feel like i'm wandering around the stones trying to find the way in I, possibly the the verses help with that they root you in in, in the world itself and I'm glad as well, uh, Ian, that what we're doing is kind of uh, inspiring you in your own journey with storytelling. Um, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Definitely something that we wanted to do as well, helping uh, helping people along in their, their own storytelling journey. <laughs> okay, so this is the time in the show when we're going to talk about... Um, as we said in the past, we don't want to slap a load of adverts in the middle of our podcast. You know, for a storytelling podcast, uh, that's not something that we want to do to yank you out of it. But sometimes uh, sponsorships can be useful. They can help bring in a little bit of money. Uh, and this is around about the point in uh, these Law Talk episodes when we might share a sponsorship message uh, or something like that if it helps us. But uh, this time, I'm just going to uh, give a shout out to some of the services that we've used and some of the tools that have helped us on the podcast. 
so we're using um, Anchor to create our podcast, um, and that's a service that makes it really simple. Uh, as long as you've got um, a phone or a laptop or a desktop with a working microphone, uh, they've got the basic tools to put together a podcast on there, and the hosting is entirely free. Um, so that's been great. So we do some uh, more advanced audio work than uh, you can do on Anchor, but the software that we use to do that is uh, called Audacity, and it's completely free software that you can download off the internet. Um, so those are all great tools. Anchor's also distributed us to uh, all of the different podcast platforms. Uh, so some of you are listening to us uh, via Apple, via Google. Um, we also create a YouTube video because some people, myself included, for to listen to things through the YouTube app. We use another great free app to create those videos simply and quickly. It's called uh, Headliner. Um, and that lets you upload some audio, upload an image, um, and put a audio visualization bar uh, straight onto the video. Um, uh, so this has really allowed us to put together something that looks and feels really good uh, without having to spend an awful lot of money on uh, fancy software. Um, and that's, that's absolutely great for creatives like us. One service in particular that I'm going to highlight is, is PodCoin. Um, I can't actually remember who first referred me to PodCoin, but it is an app discovery service um, where you can earn PodCoins, uh, which is a kind of digital currency that you can then convert into vouchers uh, and use of some online retailers um, or which you can use to donate to charity. The PodCoin app has been really useful for promoting us to new listeners. Uh, as soon as we put uh, Law and Legend onto PodCoin, we saw a huge jump in the number of listens that we had. They gave us uh, an introductory bonus status, uh, which meant that, that uh, they promoted us and people who listened to the podcast could earn more PodCoins for listening to our episodes. Definitely worth us uh, bigging them up a bit so worthwhile you checking out uh, I've, I've got at least one friend who listens to podcasts all the time uh, and she absolutely loved the idea of uh, um, earning rewards for listening to podcasts and she's well on her way to getting uh, getting her first uh, voucher out of it check that out uh, if you're interested uh, it's an app that you can download on your phone if you use the code LAWLEGEND one word then you will get 300 pod coins to start in your account rather than the 150 that you get without that code so yeah just uh, check that out and uh, if you're a podcast enthusiast then that's a great way to uh, discover new things to listen to sound and audio is a hugely important part of the podcast and i was blown away really by um sort of the quality of some of the resources that are available out there on the internet for free. Um, you know, we're completely indebted to uh, the great community of people on freesound.org who provide um, a wealth of uh, absolutely brilliant audio files and resources that we've, uh, that we've mixed up and used to create uh, the fantastic backgrounds that you can hear in our episodes. Uh, another massive thank you to Robert Bentall and Ellie Burton who 
composed, performed and contributed uh, music for our series. Um, Robert is responsible for our theme tune and for many of the musical transitions that you hear in the show. Uh, he played those on the Scandinavian Nickel Harper, which was completely perfect for us. Ellie contributed some uh, some brilliant sounds for The Curse of Pantanas, uh, including the, the haunting music of the uh, the fairy spiral dancers uh, so yeah thank you again for that guys okay so we did post links to our message inbox on social media we've got one message and this is from uh lisa let's oh, uh let's listen let's have a listen Hi, Rick and Seb. I'm really enjoying the podcast so far, especially the Buried Moon episode. Um, and for a lot of the same reasons that were mentioned in the discussion, the appearance of all the creatures that go bump in the night. But you don't really spend too much time describing what they are other than the mysterious bugbear. So what I'm wondering is if there are any uh, prevailing or agreed-upon versions of creatures like the night walkers, shadow crawlers, grins, and snags, or if those are things that you invented for this story. Cool. Well then, Rick, that's one for you, I feel. <laughs> uh, thanks, Lisa. Uh, great comments. Uh, and thanks for being brave enough to leave a voice message. Uh, hopefully other people will follow the example. <laughs> uh, in the original version, uh, as sort of recorded and written down, um, the dark things, the things that dwelt in the darkness, the bogies and the crawling horrors, uh, witch bodies and bogles. We, we talked about the kind of shape-shifting nature of some of these things. When we're talking about witch bodies, I think what we're really talking about are um, either actual witches, and they do talk about their spells, or witches' familiars, which are sort of the spirits that, that kind of attend on witches. Yeah. Um, and they show up again in one of our later tales, The Laidly Worm. Uh, other words that are sometimes used are witch-wives, some of the texts also just call them imps. Mm. Um, sometimes that can be the fun of it. You know, you can try to imagine for yourself what some of these things are. The the bogles, bogle, uh, Wikipedia tells us that bogle, boggle, or bogil is uh, a Northumbrian and Scots term for a ghost or folkloric being and is used for a, a whole variety of different folkloric creatures. Uh, you know, a bogey. You know, yeah. uh, bogeyman, yeah. uh, just generally a scary thing. In the original text of Child Roland, he actually calls the king of Elfland a bogle at one point. Um, <laughs> it just sounds so sort of um, diminutive. <laughs> the bogle does not sound like a horror. I did read uh, about bugbears. There's um, some plays from the 16th and 17th centuries. Uh, called The Bugbears, and a play about two amorous bugbears, which sounds interesting, uh, <laughs> which, I, which I, I can't access online, but I may be able to get out of Sheffield Library. I may come back bearing more bugbear knowledge at some point. <laughs> uh, the black snag that catches the moon is... There are various tales about uh, trees that move, sometimes associated with witches, 
So I haven't heard of a black snag in another context, but there are definitely stories about sinister trees that you need to keep an eye on. (laughs) (laughs) So everything else, uh, any of the other words that we use have uh, been uh, added by me. Uh, So night crawlers and and things like that, they're kind of uh, just general descriptions of uh, things that go bump in the night. I, I, I like using the word Grimm's uh, based on sort of the Grimm's fairy tales and, and there's a there's a whole TV series that calls them Grimm's as well. But there is um, a folkloric creature called the Grimm as... Is there? The, oh, as the, uh, what's it called? Harry Potter reminded us. It's really interesting to read uh, kind of lists of these, uh, these creatures which... Uh, uh, some of them being well defined, some of them not being so well defined. Mm. Um, uh, there's one particularly notorious list from uh, a 19th century publication called the Denim Tracts. I owe this one to um, Neil Phillip on Twitter. Um, I was uh, following uh, Folklore Thursday. The list goes uh, Ghosts, Boggles, Bloody Bones. Spirits, demons, ignis fatui, brownies, bugbears, black dogs, spectres, shelly coats, scarecrows, witches, wizards, bar guests, robin goodfellows, hags, night bats, scrags, breaknecks, phantasms, hobgoblins, hobhulards, boggy bows, dobbies, hobthrusts, fetches, kelpies, warlocks, mock beggars, mum pokers, jemmy berties, Urchins, satyrs, pans, fawns, sirens, tritons, centaurs, calcars, nymphs, imps, incubuses, spawns, men in the oak, hellwains, fire drakes, kittercan sticks, tom tumblers, melch dicks, lars, K- kitty witches, mm-hmm. hobby lanterns, dick a Tuesdays, dick a uh, elf fires, gill burnt tails, knockers, elves, rawheads, Megan the Wads, old shocks, oofs, padfoots, pixies, pick trees, giants, dwarfs, tom pokers, tootgots, snapdragons, sprats, spunks, tantarabobs, <laughs> swathes, tints, Todd Lowry's, jack in the wads, mormos, changelings, red caps. Yes hounds, cult pixies, tom thumbs, black bugs, boggarts, scar bugs, shagfalls, hodgepodges, chainfrushes, bugs, bull beggars, bygones, bowls, caddies, bowmen, brags, wraiths, wafts, flay boggarts, fiends, galley trots, imps, gitrishes, who knows, patches, Gringes, boggests, bonelesses, peg powers, pucks, fays, kidnappers, are they really fairies? <laughs> Very bad people. Galley beggars, hudskins, knickers, madcaps, trolls, robinettes, friars lanterns, um, silkies, cold lads, death hearses, goblins, hob headlesses, bugaboos, cows, nickies, necks, waifs, miffies, buckies, gulls, uh, sylphs, Guess swords, frays, freights, gig collins, pygmies, nixies, jenny burnt tails, dud men, hellhounds, doppelgangers, boggle bows, bogies, red men, portunes, grants, hobbits, ah, there we go, hobgoblins, brown men, cowies, dunnies, wirricows, 
all holds, mannequins, follets, corins, lubicans, chloricorns, cobalts, leprechauns, cores, mares, corins, puckles, corrigans, sylvans, succubuses, black men, shadows, banshees, lion hanshees, and clabinappers. So yeah, that was that was quite an impressive list. Yeah. Um, so really, you were just scratching the surface with all the <laughs> things that came out on the Dark Moon. Uh, another thing that you can find on the blog posts is uh, we actually cover um, folk music. Uh, a lot of these tales, a lot of these tales have also been told in sort of folk ballad versions. Uh, so. You can hear them being sung by um, lots of great uh, folk musicians and singers, um, and, uh, and they're absolutely fantastic. I, I posted some up on our social media. I actually create a lore and legend playlist that I'll update as we're going along, and I'll, I'll post the link to that when this episode goes out. It's another great way to experience these tales, um, and it was through listening to uh, folk music that I fell in love with some of them. A version of Thomas the Rhymer from uh, Andrew Calhoun, which I really enjoy. Sir Orfeo by uh, by Hayfield, a uh, Sheffield-based artist, uh, or at least she was. I, I think she still is. There's even a version of uh, The Dark Tower, uh, Jack Rowland. And for, uh, for episodes later in the series, there are some, some really fun versions of the Laidly Worm from Spriggan uh, and Lady Isabel sung by Bella Head, which is, uh, is is one of my favourites. There are a few that there isn't any kind of folktale version of, uh, but nevertheless found something something interesting to add to the list. Something based on the English horn dance to uh, evoke the, the fairy spiral dances. A, uh, a love song from uh, Brig which we which we said in the discussion for uh, the buried moon might might be the locale in which uh, the buried moon is set. Uh, so yeah, I'd, uh, if you haven't checked out the blog posts, uh, I'd, I'd I'd go and do that to just to listen to some of the great music on there and uh, uh, yeah, give the Spotify playlist uh, a listen because if you don't, you're uh, you're missing out. We also have a comment from um, Christopher um, on Instagram, who goes by uh, Dunsanian Dreams. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Lord Dunsany was a um, a fantasy uh, literature writer. His writings were at one time quite famous, and they inspired Tolkien. Wait, the Queen King of Elfland's daughter? Yes. So one of the one of the books that. Uh, that I read um, when I was researching various things about Elfland was The King of Elfland's Daughter, which was uh, a book by uh, Lord Lord Dunsany. So um, I was interested when we were suddenly followed by uh, uh, Dunsanian Dreams. Uh, they have a, a Reddit uh, page, www.reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Lord Dunsany. Um, which is uh, apparently a gathering of um, uh, density enthusiasts. 
Christopher says. Uh, as for Dunsany, he's quite honestly one of the most discarded and inspirational figures of literature in recent memory. I'm convinced that his revival in the popular imagination is soon to be upon us, um, as people look to escape the drab and uninspired concrete of modern life. And he also recommends checking out The Dreamer's Tale and The Book of Wonder. Those are, those are some of his best works. Uh, perhaps check those out. Uh, it, we do um, come on to uh, folklore and fantasy as uh, as escapism in in a in a future discussion. Chris said that he really really enjoys the show, but uh, one of the things that he did mention and that has come up a few times is that uh, he thinks the sound is a bit muffled. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you had any comments about that? Yeah, I've I've definitely heard people say that there's something that we need to do with regards to the sound to make it sound clearer because our recording equipment is you know it's not out of a shoebox yeah it's a fairly good microphone um uh but nevertheless uh somewhere along the line we're not getting the performance out of it that we should mm. um and we're not quite sure why uh possibly something to do with compression um but anyway that i guess the main thing to say about it is that uh, we've already recorded the series so unfortunately there won't be a dramatic change uh, over the next couple of weeks uh but we're going to try some things out and talk to some uh some other podcasters and uh, we'll do our best to clear that up for series two but uh, yeah, uh, Chris said that that was uh, just a suggestion, not a criticism. Yeah, people seem to be saying that despite a, a slight problem with the sound, uh, maybe in that degree, people have really been enjoying it. Um, and yeah, not not at all, Chris. Don't worry about that. We want you to have the best listening experience possible. So um, any feedback on that kind of thing is useful. Yeah, um, we're just we're just trying to find the best way to address it at the moment. So. Uh, the other things that Chris says are um, that uh, the Folklore Society sounds immensely interesting. It's hard to find people invested in uh, tales that are rooted in tradition. Uh, and he'd love to know what our favourite books are uh, during our studies into the into folklore. And uh, he's, he's sure that he and others would benefit from purchasing books of the, the greatest collected tales. I think a, an interview with somebody from the Folklore Society and the uh, story so- Storytelling Society mm-hmm. uh, would be really interesting. So yeah. uh, I've been thinking about getting in touch with uh, with, with both of those. I've, I've been to one of the Folklore Society's uh, legendary weekends. Which <laughs> legendary weekend? Yeah, they ha- happen on an annual basis and there's a different, uh, folklore topic each year and there's uh, a whole load of different panels and some sometimes performances as well um, I was doing dream research at the time and they, they had their uh, conference on dreams in folklore so uh-huh. of course I showed up yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, so yeah that would be great that's, that's definitely something that we'll, uh, we'll look at doing for a future episode I think it would be a great idea to sort of talk more about and do some cover some of the collections of folk tales kind of beyond Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen yeah one of the things that I might might think about for the the Patreon reviews of books as well um, 
one of the things that we're doing is at the moment we're working on series two and we are recording our creative process recording the discussions that we have as we sort of write the episodes both on composition and, and, and performance, performance. Yeah. some of the things that we might think about developing in future for patreons although um, that's a whole world in itself to go into it is in yes and we're by no it. means the most expert at it either um, you know something like this it's always get great to be a gateway but uh, by all means you know uh, check out things like the society for storytelling there are lots of storytellers who run courses and workshops so if you're interested in that kind of thing you know always start local because yeah. you might be surprised by what you find yeah you um, might even end up on a podcast with the, your tutor <laughs> who knows um, because we sort of dived straight into it like a lot more of our research has been via wikipedia than i would have liked for the first series um, although, although it's really important to point out as well actually that a lot of the great folktale collections uh, because they're out of copyright are available online mm. um, the um, uh, the book so the website that you've you showed me things from a reasonable amount is called Sacred Texts uh, it is yes Sacred Texts um, has a, a huge collection of, uh, of lore and, and mythic literature Another thing to look for is Andrew Lang's fairy books. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge collection of um, of uh, folklore literature. The Curse of Pantanus is drawn from a book called the Welsh Fairy Book, mm-hmm. which we which I found on Sacred Texts. I found a resource that wasn't a book of tales as such, but was tracing threads through folklore uh, uh, in British folklore across time which is called um, it's called The Land of the Green Man A Journey Through the Supernatural Landscapes of the British Isles by Caroline Lanning- Larrington um, devotes almost no time at all to the green man and it contains a lot of pointers as to it, it gives you a starting point it'll sort of give in very broad brush strokes the story but it was a very useful resource it's um where i found cherry of zena yes more scholarship based research for series two i think because we've uh we've just set out on it and it's um because it's based on dreams which is what i did my doctoral dissertation on i think you you came to our first planning session for that and i dropped like a huge pile of books <laughs> into your lap and i was like read those yep <laughs> If you've got time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I, I now know much more than I ever did about um, the role of dreams in um, ancient Greece. Um, yes, I've been really happy with people's, uh, people saying that they really like the way that we're doing the podcast. You know, they really like the... Um, the audio work, the sound and the music and that kind of thing. Uh, and that was really great for me to hear because, um, you know, I had uh, had an idea of what I wanted this podcast to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, with what we've managed to make. And it's really great to hear other people saying how much they're enjoying it. Yeah. Um, and uh, just the, the particular way that we're doing it as well is um, because there are other myths and legend podcasts out there, aren't there? Yeah. 
So, I mean, for example, I've got a friend, uh, Graham, who does uh, his own uh, podcast called Tales of the British Isles. Sort of naturally, because uh, this, obviously this season it is British folklore, and uh, we're both doing uh, a version of The Buried Moon and The Rhymer's Tale, which, um, I mean, I've, I've listened to quite a bit of Graham's podcast. Yeah, when I first started listening, there, there are various ways you could you could come at several of these stories, especially mm. the rhymes tale, because there's uh, the ballad version and the romance version and uh, Walter Scott's version. Uh, and he chose a very similar way to come at it as we did. He started mm. in the feasting hall with that presentation to the lords and ladies. And like, oh, no, it's going to be the same. Um, but the podcasts are so different. You know, the style is so different. And he talks about the different versions yeah. As he tells the tale, when when you're dealing with uh, you know myths and legends, you know it's a common treasury of of tales. So people will go over the same things. Yep. You know we talked about before how different storytellers tell a story is really important. Mm. The the way that I like to tell a story is kind of that sort of that deep immersion in the characters. So yeah. I like I like these other podcasts. Some of, some of them can be really funny. So p- people often make a, an awful lot out of um, the the occasionally weird sexual politics or whatever of like knights coming along and murdering another knight and then the lord's lady like instantly being up for for like remarrying and all that kind of thing. Um, and yes, sometimes that is that is a bit funny, but reading some Arthurian uh, Arthurian texts, you know, there's there's one way you can see all of these. Uh, apparently damsels in distress kind of lost in the woods kind of mm. being saved by knights and things but actually as you read it what you start to realize is that usually these women are specifically looking for or tasked with searching out the a knight or a hero or whatever they're actually leaders of their community being incredibly pragmatic dealing with the social realities of their time mm. i don't think though that I think that there's a great value in performing that kind of contextual analysis, but I don't think there's no value in the humour derived from... Oh, I didn't say there was no value. I just yeah. say, I say that I hear quite a lot of that on mm. a lot of these other podcasts, and we don't have the other thing at the moment yeah. where, you, where you don't take yourself out of the narrative to look at it with an arch eye from, from our, our terribly enlightened modern perspective, uh, which is how that, that kind of comes across sometimes. Yeah, I can see it, but in, I, think, I, think in a, I think in a way there's also... Because we, we come from a, a, a background of people of, who really like stories and really are just on board with folklore immediately. If you view it with a sort of humorous modern eye, you draw in people who would otherwise sort of view what view this sort of thing as kind of archaic. Um, you see, my partial argument though is that if you contextualise something well enough, communicating that context in a way that people can understand, like in Child Roland, making it clear that these these characters represent guardians of the fairy world or whatever, which the text, if you read off the bare face of it, because it's missing that understanding. So if I was going to write a tale, an Arthurian tale, then, you know, I would do work to com- to communicate, that, you know, where these characters are coming from. Uh, I agree, but all the same, I, there is some work that can be done with humour that can't necessarily be done without it. I would listen to two different things at two different times. So we're the escapist version rather than the <laughs> conversational version. Yeah. <laughs>
So yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Um, this is in our first law talk of 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 several. Um, we'll be doing, I think, Rick mentioned two a season, um, and so there'll be one more law talk to recap the the end of the the series. Thanks very much for your comments and questions, guys. And um, remember that uh, you can ask ask questions after any of our episodes. We've got a listener supporters group on Facebook, uh, so if you want to join that, then that's a really great place to sort of ask questions and things. We'll be doing this uh, probably about twice in each series. Yeah. We'll respond to, to questions in the future as well.